Greetings. Nice to see everybody. It's a little bit of a weird uh, perspective to be up here, but to sort of um, go with the flow of what uh, I think Ruth particularly wants to do, I'm going to um, flow in with that. I was, uh, I thought it was really funny what Carmel said before about how Paul and Ruth had resigned. <laughs> and I started laughing and then she kept going and I thought, this is not real. <laughs> nah, good joke, Carmel. Well done. Well done. So we've got everybody back, have we? Pretty much. So we're going to continue the series, uh, Money Matters, and I think it's quite a, um, been an awesome subject. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd just pray first. Father, I just thank you that uh, you give me courage and strength. I thank you for your Holy Spirit present here. Father, I, I pray for every single person's heart that's under the sound of my voice right now in the name of Jesus. I just pray that our hearts will be open, not to Dave, but, but to you, Father. And I pray that, um, we, that your word would go out and uh, bring encouragement, correction, conviction, and healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. <clears throat> there was a Sunday school teacher. She had a class of 10-year-old kids, and she was talking about missionaries. And she said to the kids, if you guys had a million dollars, would you give it to the missionaries? And all the kids said, yes, yes. And then she said, if you had a thousand dollars, would you give it all to the missionaries? They said, yes. They all cheered and screamed. What about a hundred dollars? And they said, yes. They all cheered and screamed. What about a dollar? Everybody but one little kid said, yes, I'll give a dollar. And she said to the little kid, Davey, why didn't you cheer then? Because I've got a dollar in my pocket. Says, <laughs> As Paul Whitehead would say, just, just a thought, just a thought. There was two men um, marooned on an island. One was wringing his hands, pacing backwards and forwards, terrified of dying. The second one was chilling out, catching some rays, sunbathing. The first guy says to the second guy, bro, why are you so chilled out? Don't you realize we could die? And the second guy says, hey, you know, I make a hundred grand a month and I tithe faithfully to my church. My pastor will find me. <laughs> Heard a little bit of a delay in that one. Uh, our title, Aaron and I this, mor this morning are talking about um, it takes a heart transplant giving. So we're, we're looking at um, finances, but in a, in a slightly broader sense. Um, I've got a series of famous quotes. I think Paul's actually said this one. The first one is, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's Winston Churchill. One of the things I was thinking about in preparing for this, I was thinking, have Christians got a monopoly on giving? And I thought, nah. I know plenty of people out there who don't profess any faith at all in the Lord, and they give to their families, they give to their communities. They're just awesome sports coaches, um, hospice workers, um, nurses and cancer wards just pouring their love and life out into people. So I asked this question, how should our giving as Christians be unique and different 
to people who have no faith in Christ. So that's, that's my learning outcome. The first one, the first thing I want to do is uh, look at a scripture. And this scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. It's um, Samuel uh, called of God going to see Jesse's family to anoint one of them as king. And in verse 7, uh, if I can find it, it says, this is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not make decisions the way you do. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a person's thoughts and intentions. The Lord looks at the heart. If you are looking, so guys that deal in cities and, and that with water leaks and things, sometimes they put a dye marker in the water and it can identify where water is flowing from to a certain outsource. Money is like that with our heart. Money can be a dye marker in our lives as to how we trust God, how our condition of our heart is. God wants us to trust him more than our money. How much we trust has a great influence on how much we give. Another famous quote, no one has ever become poor by giving. That's Anne Frank. So God looks on the heart. God sees our motivations, our thoughts. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, all the ways of a man or woman are right in their own eyes, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. My next scripture is um, Ezekiel. I love that name. It sounds like a sci-fi name, eh? Uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 37, uh, chapter 36, excuse me, and verse 26. Ezekiel 36 26, and this is um, Ezekiel talking from, um, the, the Lord talking through him. I will give you a new heart with new and right desires, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony heart of sin, and I will give you a new obedient heart. Our topic this morning, it takes a, a heart transplant. It takes a heart transplant. Christ came to show us God's heart, to show us his heart. Receiving Christ is to allow to God to give us his heart for people. Um, a few years ago, I did a study, um, and this might seem a little bit weird to you, but I called the study Scary Things That Jesus Said, and I went through a lot of the scriptures in the New Testament that I didn't like reading, um, that, you know, sort of scared me, and I thought, surely Jesus can't have said that. You know, this, this is one of those scriptures, and this is um, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. Real short, um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, and it says this. This is the words of Jesus. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. When I first read that, I, I, I literally, I said, what a crazy scripture. You know, shut my Bible and I, I thought, that is just, 
you know, you know, you can't even, I just shut my Bible and walked away. And I thought, well, you know, you might as well just give up now. You know, where, where's that at? I thought, that is so crazy. And then, then I, I came back to my Bible, opened it up again. My biggest mistake half the time is I pray and, 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 and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm wrong. He's right. You know, just, yeah. Figured out that um, the percentage of me being wrong and him being right is like a hundred, <laughs> hundred to zero. Yeah. So, I I, th- I studied that scripture out, and, and the Greek word perfection there is a word called talios, and it is a functional perfection. So if I if I get a flat tire in my Ute, and I need a 17 mil spanner to get my wheel nuts off. No other spanner is going to fit. I need a 17 mil spanner to get those nuts off. That socket is teleos. It's perfect because it is fulfilling the job for which it's doing, and you can't do it any other way. So you know that, and I just want to dig into this a little bit because it's got so much to do with our change of heart. When people think, um, you know, what are you doing this Sunday, Dave? You know, I'm working with a young guy at the moment, and you know, he, he's I could hear the post rammer going when I was come when I was doing stock work this morning, and he's over on this farm near to me, he's ramming posts, and I'm not there. <laughs> he said, what, "What are you doing on Sunday, Dave? I'm going to church." And he he probably thinks, you know, what a waste of time, you know, a whole lot of bunch of holiness freaks, you know, and I'm just just a maggot, you know. Why would I even be bother going there? That's that's the distorted view that people have of church and God, and and that is not. Absolutely, 180 degrees opposite to the way he is. And when you read the New Testament, Jesus was showing us what God is really like. He was demonstrating that. His grace, his peace, his straight-up attitude, he was demonstrating that. So what he's done is, we hear that scripture, you must be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect, and you think of yourself as a maggot. And there's God, and you get carried away with all this holiness, holiness, holiness. I'm just a maggot. I can't be holy. All this sort of thing. And that, that's, just, that's just not where God's at. Okay? So he sent Jesus down with all the maggots, <laughs> and he became a maggot. No, I just look like I'm a farmer. I'm just dealing with, you know, real stuff, right? Yeah, and, and God became a maggot. You know, this... And he took upon himself all our maggoty stuff, <laughs> went to the cross, died in our place, yeah. rose from the dead, and the scriptures say that we've been raised up with him. Yeah. So, you know, this perfection that we're talking about, just forget about sin, forget about unholiness, forget about that. This perfection, what is it to be like God? You look at Jesus, what is it to be like God? He wasn't hung up on holiness. He was hung up on hanging out with people. His heart was for people, beginning to end. That's where he was. That's, where his, that's the only perfection he understood, was relating to ordinary people. And when we see in the scriptures there, you must be perfect as my heavenly, we suddenly think we get this maggot God, maggot God. No, just, you know, forget the maggots. I'm probably sewing that out there so much, you're going to go home thinking, what do you think about, what do you talk about, church maggots? No. <laughs> What I want you to see is 
And what I need to see is that when we come to the realization that Jesus died for me, the Holy Spirit comes in here. The Holy Spirit comes in here. And as far as God is concerned, from that point on, you are perfect. He does not hold your sin against you. And we need that because unless we've got something, we can't give something. So I just want to emphasize that point. God's plan is to give us his heart. His heart. His heart. Yeah, my next scripture scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 5, verse 19 says this, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That means bringing the world back to him. No longer counting, counting people's sin against them. Hear that? No longer counting people's sin against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are called to give God's heart. God's heart gave us life for mankind. So this whole perfection thing about being perfect, being like God, is about relating to people. It's about relating to people. So what are we called to do? What are we called to give I asked the question at the beginning, what makes us unique? What gives us something to give that nobody else can give? And it's Christ's love. It is that message that God is, is crying out through Christ. Hey, I want to be your friend. Forget about sin. I want to be your friend. That's, that's, the, that's the message. That's what we're called to give. That's what the heart transplant is for to give us his heart, his motivation, his way of seeing people. Famous quote, The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose, purpose of life is to give it away. That's Picasso. For us as Christians, the meaning of life is to be found alive in Christ. The purpose, purpose of life the motivation for giving is to give that life to others. Yeah. You're up, bro. Thank you, Dave. Well, how many know a heart transplant might be messy? Just like sometimes Dave's preaching or my preaching might be messy. There was a lot of maggot talk there, but I think we got it. Okay? So I, when I was thinking of a heart transplant, I was thinking about this is something that delivers blood to the whole body. And, and it delivers life to the whole body. And it is a messy job. Okay? And sometimes God needs to... Something, sometimes the work God does in our lives is messy. Okay, so a heart transplant, just so you know, is a surgery to remove a person's diseased heart. I want you to think about that in terms of giving a diseased heart and replace it with a healthy heart from a deceased donor, not someone who's died. 
Most heart transplants are done on patients who have had end-stage heart failure. Heart failure is a condition in which the heart is damaged or weak. And I, th I think about that um, in a spiritual sense. So listen to this definition of heart failure. Heart failure is the most common type of heart disease. In the Western world, the number one killer of people is heart disease. And when you think of that in a spiritual sense, um, I think of Jesus Christ being the donor. Except for guess what? He's not dead. He's alive. He's also the surgeon. And uh, he's, he's trying to give his heart. And Dave talked about that. His heart is for people. He wants people to know that he loves them and he wants them to be in relationship with him. So I, what I want to move on to is the, the dangers of operations. Um, so I just had a small operation in New Zealand here this last week or two, a week, a week and a half ago. And it went very well because you guys have an astonishing system here. Okay, there's nothing could ever go wrong in New Zealand. But in Canada, over the last 10 years, there have been just under 3,000 surgical incidences. Okay, what that means is a sponge or instrument uh, has been left inside of a patient. Either that or a patient has uh, accidentally received lacerations or punctures to a, body, uh, a bodily organ. Or surgeries have been for, uh, performed on the wrong body part. That's a problem. Uh, patients have received the wrong procedure. So that they say, guess what, Mr. So-and-so, your operation was a, a great success, except for we performed the wrong operation on you, and you're going to have to undergo another procedure when you're healthy enough to fix what needed to be fixed. Another problem. And finally, this one I really like. The wrong patient has been operated on. So, so these things actually came from the National Post, which is like news, uh, Canada's biggest newspaper. So that, that's actually true stuff. 3,000 screw-ups in over 10 years. And man's ways are full of screw-ups. We, we can't fix the problem. Only God can fix the problem. So, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.21, he's the surgeon, he, he knows this, and that, but he wants to pass this information on to us. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, just turn to your neighbor and tell him, where is your heart? Okay, turn to your neighbor on the other side. If you don't have a neighbor on the other side... Tell the same person, where is your heart? It's an important question. Where is your heart? And I'm not talking about, I hope you know where your heart is, like your physical heart. But we're, we're talking about your, your heart spiritually. So this is, what do you think about? Where does your time go? What, what are you preoccup preoccupied with? That's, that's what your heart is. And God is interested in those things for you. He wants you to be preoccupied with his kingdom, not trivial things that, that don't really matter. And he, he wants, because we're spreaders of life, as Dave has said. We, we carry around the presence of God, and we have this gift that we need to share with the world. 
Number two, pray and seek God. Prayer is a vital ingredient into finding out what the will of God is, isn't it? You know, it's one thing to read the word and just shut it, as Dave pointed out, but it's another thing to pray about it and go, God, reveal your word to me. What, what are you trying to tell me? Because we need to be open to, to God and his word. Jeremiah 29, 12, and 13 says, When you call out to me and come and pray to me, I'll hear you. That's a promise. If you ask God something, he promises he will hear you. Here's another promise in verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I don't know if you've ever played hide and seek with a small child. Has anybody ever done that? Played hide and seek with a a small child? Well, I have. I've got five children, so we've done that. You don't have to work very hard to hide from a small child. Do you know that? You, you You could have your feet showing somewhere. And just because they can't see your face, that might be good enough. You could put a a lampshade on your head. That might even do the trick. (laughs) Not that that would be an improvement for anyone in here, okay? Don't think about that. Um, So you don't have to work very hard to hide from a child. The other thing you'll do is if you're playing hide and seek with a child, you're going to give them clues to where you are. If they're having trouble finding you, you're going to say, you're going to make a noise, you know, like a a funny noise or, you know, something or call their name, something, right? So that they can find you. And did you know God's desire for you to find him is just like that child? He wants to be found by you. He's he's not, some people struggle. You can struggle with seeking God and finding God. And I want you to know by faith, it's not a struggle that God wants to be found with you. He wants to have relationship. He wants to speak to you as a, a man or a person speaks with a friend face to face. And I think that's important that we, we pray and we seek God trusting him that he is faithful on his end. Number three, you are reflecting your heart to others. Lots of people don't understand that their hearts can be seen. But in Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, it says, Just as water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. So have you ever seen somebody try to communicate with a mirror in the sun and try to flash somebody something so they can grab their attention or whatever? Um, you, might have, you might have seen that before in a, a movie or something like that. Um, the reflection of your heart is sending a message to people. It's getting their attention. And it's not only getting other people's attention, it's getting God's attention. God knows your heart. And, and the signal that's sending tells God something, but it also tells others something. So an example of this can be, when I think of giving, is when I, God tells me to bless somebody. And I've, I may have the resources to do that, or I may feel like my, lim- my resources are limited in doing that. But God still impressed it on my heart to do it. So I need to have faith that God will provide. You know, what I'm missing will be okay, that he'll replace it. And uh, so there was um, some kids in Kaikoe the other day. This is a real example. I want you to know that, not just one made up. 
Um, there were some kids in Kaikoue that were doing some fundraising just on Friday. And uh, they had just gotten accused of throwing papers in the street and stuff like that. And they were saying, no, no, it wasn't us. And it wasn't, it wasn't actually them. They um, were quite innocent little kids from, from West Kaikoue School. So, and they were out to help people by doing this, this fundraising for the Cancer, cancer Foundation. So I said to them, I just was getting out of my car, I said, guess what, you guys go over to, and clean up the, those papers and stuff, and I said, I'll make you a contribution to, to your thing. I'll, you know, I'll give you a donation. So they hurried off and went and did that. And um, God impressed it on my heart to bless these kids. And uh, I went to the bank machine, and I found out I didn't have the amount of funds that I wanted to bless these kids. And... Uh, it, 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 and that was just the case, but I had to be faithful and say, well, God, you've told me to do this. So I had to pull it from somewhere that would cost me because I didn't actually have the money. And I gave it to these kids, and it actually shocked these kids that, that there was somebody that was that generous with them. And that's what God wants to do. When we step into the picture, God wants to bring a supernatural generosity to people a supernatural blessing to people that is beyond the norm it's beyond the norm and and it's what will be beyond the norm for people is because we might not be in a position where we can actually do it but we're trusting God that we are able to do it and uh, so I want to, to to encourage you this morning to to be people of faith what God tells you to do um, is for a reason and a purpose. And there's nothing better that you can sow your finances into or your time into or your energy into than the kingdom of God. There is a tremendous return from it. A, a wise investor will always look for something with a return. And there's nothing that compares to the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing compares with what Jesus has for you to do. And that you will reap souls. We're reaping uh, people's eternities by, by spreading the love of Christ and, and just being obedient to him. Um, number four, sorry, guard your heart. I'm going to wrap this up quick. Um, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But, but, but. People say, you don't know what I'm going through. I should be anxious. This is scary. But, it, but God says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Did you know I can have a need and still be thankful? Isn't that incredible? Because of who God is, because I, I know who he is. And it says this, this is the promise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we're obedient to God, we have peace. And, it, and it's something that uh, the world is in desperate need of, is peace. Because people try to put their security into a lot of tangible things. But you're much better off to put your, your faith in the invisible. What I mean by that is God. An invisible God who loves you with an incredible love. 
and is faithful and true. He's the only sure foundation. Everything else in this world can be rocked and can be shaken. He is the only thing that cannot be shaken. So this morning, um, maybe you have a heart issue. Um, what I mean by that is maybe God is challenging you to, to give your life over to him. Maybe he's challenging you in the area of giving. Maybe he's challenging you in the area of faith. Maybe he's challenging you in the area of relationship. Are you, are you investing into others that need to know who he is? But Jesus wants to give you his heart today. And uh, I'll just remind you, he's not a dead donor. He's a living donor. He can deliver on his promises. And he's, he's 100% on his promises. He never lets you down. So this morning, uh, if we could just have every eye closed. If you would like to give Jesus Christ your life this morning, if you trust that he has died for you and he's risen back to life this morning, could I just get you to put up your hand if you'd like to respond to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm just going to put that out there. It's the first thing. Okay, the next thing. If God is challenging you in the area of trusting him with what you have, with your finances, I just, just put up your hand. That's good. Thank you for putting up those hands. We're just going to pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the greatest giver of all time. Lord, that you gave your life for, for us. Lord, when we weren't worthy of it, Lord, when, there, when we were sinners, Lord, you gave your life for us. And Lord, I thank you that we can receive your life, Lord, by faith. And Lord, that we can walk in your life by faith. Lord, so I pray for every person here, Lord Jesus, who has put up their hand, Lord Jesus, that is, are, is being challenged, Lord, to give, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would find it easy, Lord, to give of their finances, of their time to you, Lord, because they, they know who you are. Lord, I pray that we would all have revelations of, of you, of your character, of your goodness, uh, of your, of your never-ending love for us. Lord, and I thank you that we can put what we have, Lord, confidently. Um, we can give it, Lord. We can, we can confidently witness about you and, and say who you are because it's going to bring life to people around us. So, Lord, this morning, I pray that uh, this week, Lord, we would be um, just tremendous givers of your grace, Lord Jesus. We would be generous, Lord, in word and action uh, to all those around us. And Lord, I pray that uh, those things that come to frustrate us, Lord, we wouldn't respond that way, but we would have your peace, Lord Jesus. We put our trust in you. Lord, we don't have to sort out any situation, but we can just trust in you to do it. You are the God that fights for us. So Lord, we commit this week to you. We commit uh, whatever we're concerned about, our futures, Lord Jesus, to you this morning. And we say, have your way Lord, in every area of our lives, Lord, we trust you wholly and completely. 
In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.